welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Uh, We're talking about the life of Peter. We talked about Peter's call. Uh, Ruth uh, spoke brilliantly about Peter's training. I want to talk today about Peter's relationships and teamwork. Now, I don't know, uh, but I'm guessing you've probably at some point had to work with someone who you found a a, a little difficult. Maybe you've served God alongside uh, someone who's very different to you. Maybe a, a little challenging and you've been thrown into ministry together. When I was in high school, um, in year seven, there was uh, another boy uh, my age in the same class and we shared a lot of classes together for the next several years. Right from the word go, uh, we, we were in the same house group for um, sport. We did a lot of sport together. We, we did athletics together. We represented the school together. And yet we were very different kind of people. We were wired differently. We rubbed each other up the wrong way and we had our moments and we just yeah, grated on each other's nerves. And so we kind of had a bit of a truce where we just you know, kept our distance really. Um, then when, in, uh, when I was in year 10, I got born again and I got uh, involved with this thriving uh, Christian group in the school. And we had prayer meetings and lunchtime meetings and weekend camps and outreaches. There was a lot going on. And, uh, and then within a few months, uh, I was in year uh, 11. And the, the group that had been year 12 had all left school. So most of the leaders of this group now were in year 11. And they were mainly girls, except for two guys. Myself and, yes, you guessed it, this other guy who we had really not been mates uh, and yet God just has a sense of humour and says, I'm going to force you two to get along. You're going to be the only two boys who will lead this Christian group in the school. And not only that, but we ended up doing a, a drama group together that ministered all over the place in churches and youth groups and we ran surf camps and outreaches and we, we even ended up running the youth group in the local church that we went to together. Again, God seemed to just throw us in together. And uh, as I said, I think um, uh, God just has a, a bit of a sense of humour and he, he just uh, he forced us into fellowship and friendship despite our differences. And today we're still friends. And so to Peter, because when you read the Gospels, it reveals someone who is very strong-willed, Uh, quite abrasive, quite emotionally up and down uh, and he would have clashed with others and he would have been difficult to get along with. Uh, He was far from perfect and yet Jesus calls him to be an integral part of this small group of disciples that Jesus has And, um, and so it's a real key part of Peter's life and ministry which we can learn from and apply to our own lives that God uses all different personalities. He will get people who have got different skills and weaknesses, different uh, uh, talents, uh, all our idiosyncrasies and issues and insecurities. And, and rather than just 
cut us out because we're not perfect or leave us to our own devices to say, all right, well, I've, I've got a job for you, but I really can't trust you because the way you get on with some of these others, it's just be so much easier for God to just separate. Yeah, no, he gets us all together and he puts us all in this mix of relationships in his family and says, all right, now get along. <laughs> and, um, and it can be very challenging. Uh, and, and scratchy and messy, but that also is wonderful when God takes imperfect people and gets us to work together. As John Maxwell says, teamwork makes the dream work. And, uh, and so life is better when we do it together, better than even a very talented person doing life all on their own. We are better together. And Peter was one of the very first team players that Jesus would use to see his dream fulfilled, the dream of building a church, building the incredible relational organism that has gone throughout history into all different cultures and affected so many people and changed the world for the better. And Jesus is still building his church. He's still building his team. And as a master coach, he will take people with different skill sets, even people who sometimes don't even know the skills that they might have, and he'll draw out of us, oh, maybe a, a hidden talent, and then show us how that can work together in sync with other people's skills, like a good football team or incredible creative group working together on a on a, on a creative project, engineering something or some amazing architectural accomplishment or some artistic development or something that's involving not just one person but a group of people and God loves to do this. And, um, and of course, you know, this is the, the greatest cause that, that he, he, he uses us to build his church. Um, but... As in any team, uh, there are challenges, even if you're in God's team, uh, and we see that with the original disciples. We see tensions among them uh, that are evident when you read the Gospels. For example, look with me at Mark chapter 9, verse 33. It says, there it is, they came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, which is very likely uh, Peter's house, by the way, he asked them, what were you argue, arguing about on the road? Look, look, look at this. But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest, Muhammad Ali. I mean, you know, every now and then someone can get away with it and you don't think, you buffed, who are you? I am the greatest. It's like, well, you were pretty good, so okay, we'll let you have that. But usually it's just not a great tack for a conversation, is it? I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. It's like, where are you going with this? Um, verse 35, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and he said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. And in other parts of other gospels, we see that unpacked even further and recorded in even more detail that Jesus showing children and saying, look, you've got to become like a little child. In other words, if you want to be great, well, if you want to be first, you want to be preeminent, you want to make a difference, you want to make an impact, well, then just change your attitude. So notice a few things here. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, as I said, there are other similar records, in fact, similar 
incidents um, in other gospel accounts. Uh, but, but notice this one. Firstly, that they were arguing about who was the greatest, which um, is ironic because they're learning from the most humble person who's ever walked the face of the earth. <laughs> and they're just not picking up on, on what they should be, which is, oh, it's not about me. Okay, no, I in team. I get it, right, yeah, okay. No, no, it, it's just this base, raw, natural, sinful, selfish ambition just can't help but come to the fore. Yeah, well, I think I'm better at this. Oh, I'm better at I'm Guys, 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 you know, <laughs> I just can see Jesus um, seeing, uh, get, you know, capturing that, that, the frustration that he must have felt. Um, but sadly, that's a universal thing that we have just a, a desire to put ourselves forward as, as being the best or wanting to be the best. And then notice, secondly, that um, he asked them, what were you arguing about? And it says, they kept quiet. Now, since when is Peter quiet? That's what I love about this. You can't ever shut Peter up all through the Gospels. He's always saying something, you know, like the transfiguration. Oh, wow. There's Jesus. <gasps> And of course, Peter goes, hey, let's do something. Let's build. Hey, why don't we? Just, Peter, just, just, just shut up. You know. and, but now, Peter, he, he doesn't say anything. Why? Because they obviously are convicted. They realise, oh, yes. Okay, we made a mistake. Maybe we're on the wrong tack there. Um, and then, of course, you see the value that Jesus is looking for um, in his dream team, a spirit of humility that, that says, all right, I get it, all right, I will serve others rather than expect to be served myself. And that's what he's trying to get into. Um, which would be a challenge for some of them, especially Peter, because he was strong and feisty and uh, a natural leader. Uh, and in fact, the series that you may be watching or have watched, uh, The Chosen, uh, does some great... Uh, characterizations of, of the, the disciples. And they've taken some poetic license. If you haven't watched it, it's free on YouTube and it's fantastic. Some would say maybe it's a little slow, it's you know, ponderous, but, but it, it, it's detailed. And as I said, they've taken some poetic license in some of the <laughs> characterizations, like Matthew, most classically, with his, you know, OCD or whatever you call it. Uh, and Peter, well, they've, they've painted him as a little shonky and doesn't like to pay his taxes and but they do capture the tension the friction that goes on and sometimes the as I said some of these passages just give us little snippets and hints of the the uh the human tension and interplay that was going on over those three or so years as Jesus was trying to form them into a a a, a band of of brothers to, to be brothers in arms, to serve alongside each other and to be the foundation for him to birth and to build his church. Um, and it, as I said, that, that series does a great job capturing some of that, that ambition and that friction that would have come between Peter and the others. Um, you can also tell uh, that Peter struggled dealing with others in uh, this passage from Matthew, in Matthew 18, uh, verse 21. Peter came to Jesus and he said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? 
up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And other translations say 70 times seven. And so, and, and, and when you read on, you actually see uh, that Peter tells a parable about a servant who, um, although he was forgiven and shown mercy, refuses to do that to others and the consequences that he suffers. So Peter had obviously been challenged by other people and most probably the disciples that he's doing life with was, you know, pretty intense trying to get along with them. And, um, and he was trying to get a gauge from the Lord how, how much grace do I have to extend? Because seven times he's probably thinking, all right, someone does the wrong thing by me. In the past, once was enough, man. Or, or just cut them off or, you know, or two, maybe three times. Okay, now I'm, I'm following the Lord Jesus. I'm picking up a few things. All right, how many times if this bullfed does the wrong thing or someone hurts me or crosses me or three, four, five... Seven. I'm going to pick seven. That's a godly number. That's a lot, and I'm, I'm sure he'll just cut it off at seven. Whoa, Jesus comes back. And you may know that the phrase that Jesus uses, 77 or 70 times seven, he didn't mean 490, and then at 491 there, you can kick him out of your life or get bitter and twisted and hate them. It was an idiomatic phrase that basically meant there's no boundary, infinity, forever. As long as it takes, <laughs> you just need to draw on grace and love and keep forgiving for as long as you need to. Uh, and so you can just imagine Peter's thinking, oh, God, really? <laughs> because, you know, these guys get on my nerves. Like, you know, Matthew, for goodness sake, he, he was a tax collector. And Thomas, you know, he's always fussing and questioning. Judas i got a funny feeling about him. I don't know what it is, you know. And just, I can imagine that that would have been a problem. But every problem's got a good solution. So, uh, you know, the tension and the, the, the friction uh, in relationships, God turns and uses. And in fact, that leads to a very interesting proverb that you may know. Uh, just a few words that says so much in Proverbs 27 verse 17. And, uh, and this relates to Peter and those relationships as well as ours. Look at this. As iron sharpens iron. Proverbs 27, 17. That's a good one. I think I just saw Proverbs 20, verse 17. But read that later. But anyway, I'll read Proverbs 27, 17. And it says, as iron sharpens iron. There it is. So one person sharpens another. Isn't that interesting? It's just a very simple concept, but it's so powerful that, you know, when you work closely with someone, there's sparks, there's friction. But that's not a bad thing because just as iron gets sharper by the friction, we sharpen each other, we improve each other if we think of it that way. So if you think of your relationships, there's probably some friction, there's probably some sparks. Have you, have you experienced that? Well, then you've got to ask yourself, what do you do when the sparks fly? Can you cope with some, you know, iron sharpening iron, some, some friction, some issues, some, some flying sparks that will help you grow? Uh, are you able to overcome the challenges of working with people, of serving God alongside others who you may not agree with, 
who might be different in makeup and wiring and chemistry and all that and can you keep moving forward or or do you say oh no 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 this is uncomfortable I've had another you just step you just step back you just walk away just you know when the when the going gets tough it's easy to walk away that's not how the phrase goes the tough get going you know yeah we can do this and all that but it's it's tough being tough <laughs> it's tough hanging in there it's easier ah oh, to just walk away uh but that's a little sad and uh sadly i i have seen that um but we're always better working stuff out and uh, not retreating not backing off because then we stay blunt and um and so you know maybe you've worked with people like peter or maybe you're like peter <laughs> uh, and so relationships can be challenging but they can be great because it teaches us to love to forgive to grow and to grow in grace that helps us get along with people and so peter and his fellow disciples they learned that teamwork was really about not themselves but the team the bigger picture the benefit of the group not just the individual which isn't something that we hear a lot encouraged in our society it's all about it's all about me my happiness what i want um but peter was learning that it's 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 all about coordinating who i am what i do what i'm good at with others so this means humility it means flowing with others it means following someone else's lead now excuse me you know my father was an air force pilot and he used to talk to me about how they uh flew in formation and uh to do so you can only have one leader and everyone else has to take their cue from that leader as they fly their planes and uh they'd have a squadron leader of course and the guy flying closest to the squadron leader would watch exactly what the squadron leader is doing and he'd fly in accordance with what the leader is doing uh and then the guy next to him would be watching him and taking his lead from him to the point that when they flew in close formation and you've seen these uh planes perhaps in air shows and stuff and and my father did these you know air force air shows he said if they flew in close formation they would get to the point where they didn't even look where they were going they would look at the wings of the guy next to him and they would adjust according to the wings while they're hurtling through the air not looking where he's going now that's trust but they had to do it that way so they could make the tiny little incremental changes in their joystick and control the plane so they adjusted to the other person next to them i think wow that is serious teamwork you can't just afford to say oh i don't want to look at you i want to look at here because your wings could touch you might just make a little adjustment closer or too far away and ruin the formation and so it's a little bit like that in life sometimes where look ultimately we trust god we follow god we obey god but god does put people in our life that he calls us to look to to listen to to flow with to follow and to work alongside with so that we can't just take our eyes off them and say I'm doing my own thing. God says I want you to be in formation. I it's good for you, it's better I'm building you together so keep an eye on each other. 
And maybe this person here, look, he's just right in front of you. I want you to follow him. Don't just go off on your own way. And of course, these guys had to do that. In the team of the original 12 disciples, well, of course, the squadron leader was Jesus. And, um, and yet, interestingly, he entrusted his responsibility to different people differently. He, he uh, I mean, it's fascinating. <laughs> Judas was the treasurer. So, you know, he, that presented a challenge and a temptation that he couldn't overcome and that he got that spirit of greed, uh, which is just a tragic kind of interesting aside. Uh, but, you know, Jesus had some of his team closer to him than others. And some of the team members were closer together than others. For example, uh, Peter and James and John, you know, James and John were brothers, brothers, and they were, the three of them, quite close to Jesus. They were there on the Mount of Transfiguration with him. They were also close together. It's very likely that Peter, James and John grew up together from being little kids. They were certainly, the Bible tells us, um, in partnership in their fishing business together which they all left at the same time to follow Jesus together. And, uh, and Peter and John had a particularly close relationship. You see in the Gospels um, that they're together right through. They're, they're found many times together. In, uh, the, when Jesus uh, rose from the dead, Peter and John are together. Uh, they're obviously together there on the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit comes and... And, uh, and starts the church with great power. They're together in, uh, I think it's Acts 3, when they see a lame man outside the temple. And Peter, and he, the guy's begging and asking for money, and Peter says, silver and gold we don't have. You know this story? He says, uh, but what I have got, I'll, I'll give to you in the name of Jesus, rise up and the guy's healed. But interestingly, when you read that, he says, look at us. He didn't say, look at me. When you read in that passage, look at us. We're, we're a team representing the Lord. We're brothers. We're working together here. Um, of course, Peter and John were also brought before the Sanhedrin on charges that they had been preaching in the name of Jesus, to which they admitted. <laughs> and, uh, and then they were thrown in jail as a result. And of course, they were together as part of the leadership of the church. And so, although um, you know we have heaps of Christian siblings, there are sometimes... Just some people that God will call us to uh, closer than others. In fact, it's, it's inevitable because you can't just work with everybody in the same way. There's, there's obviously, you know, the church of Jesus universal all around the world and then there's the local church. And even within the local church, you've got some relationships where God will say, here, I want you to work with this guy in this team. Oh, yeah, no, 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 because, oh, no, that's good. Iron sharpening iron. So there may be those times. And, uh, and then along the way, it won't all be rough because you really will form great friendships. And we do and have and continue to, uh, as Peter and John did. And, um, and of course, these help us not just enjoy life, but they help us uh, remember that life isn't about being an individual, striving just for what I want just doing, looking out for me and my own. It's more about being part of a community, building something bigger than myself, uh, not competing against others, but complementing others with the gifts that God's given me. And we build and serve together. And so, you know, even though we have a race to run, 
it's, it's a lot better when you're running alongside someone. It's encouraging when you're, you've got someone running with you or jumping with you, as the case may be. Because that gets me onto a story that I'll wrap it up with. You know, uh, at the recent Tokyo Olympics, you may be um, familiar with this amazing story. There are a lot of amazing stories and, and personalities and performances at the Olympics, as there always is. But two really stood out to me. Mutaz Bashim from Qatar and Italy's Gianmarco Tambiri. So these guys are both high jumpers. And even though they're from different countries, they, uh, and they've been rivals for over 10 years, competing since they were juniors. Now they're in their late 20s, early 30s. And, um, and yet they've become great friends. They've attended each other's weddings. Uh, they've trained together. They've supported each other uh, through tough times, like the Italian guy, uh, Tambiri, broke his ankle just before the Rio Games. Was it the Rio Games? Yes, the f- five years ago, the ones before Tokyo, Rio. Uh, and so he missed Rio, but there he was in Tokyo. And there on Sunday, July the 1st, uh, after Two hours and 45 minutes, the high jump competition had been very dramatic, as it often is, very intense. The battle for the gold medal had come down to just two men. And yes, it was these two friends, Bashim and Tambiri. They had both finished. (laughs) The height's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, I did high jump when I was at school. Some of you did. Um, I spoke to Robin the other day. She's telling me about hurdles, I think we did. Uh, But two metres... 37 centimetres. So anyway, uh, they're tapping out there. They've both got to the same level uh, and they do a count back to see how many times people missed or, you know, they take two goes or got it in the first go. The count back was identical as well. So the only way forward then uh, is to do a jump off. And an official walks over to them and says, do you want to continue to jump off? Now, Bashim, the guy from Qatar, is the number one high jumper in the world. He's the favourite by far. The Italian guy is like seventh or eighth ranked in the world. And so you would think uh, it was a shock that Tambury had even got there, right to being, you know, matching him. In the you would think that, they, that Bashim exact, definitely would choose to have the jump off. Of uh, course, he'd probably win it. But I've got a video clip. Watch this. See what happens. Uh, he can continue with the jump off. Can we have two bolts? It's possible. It, it, it depends if you decide. History, if you both decide on. The moment is like, you know, of course, the sport we know, that's a performance, but I mean, yeah, humanity, I mean, solidarity, you know, unity. It's just like, you know, peace coming all together. This is beyond, beyond sport. This is a true message, so I'm really proud of that moment. Oh, oh man, that makes me cry. I love it. Oh, my family laugh at me. I, oh, I cry over sport. Uh, uh, I just think that's, that's just fantastic. No, uh, you know, notice he didn't even wait <laughs> till the official had finished explaining what could happen. He said, can we have two goals? It was so spontaneous, so, so beautiful. It was just a moment where friendship and, and the glory of sport overcame competition and that quest for individual glory. And I love the way his mate, uh, the Italian guy, jumped as only a 
world-class high jumper can jump into his arms and they just went berserk. He said later, sport is a tool for us to come together and build this kind of relationship that they have. And I think that's wonderful and a great example of friendship that can be forged when people are pursuing the same kind of thing. They're, they're going for, in their world, high jump, prowess, that's their focus, that's the, the body that God's given them with the twitch muscles and the spring and the athleticism and the height and, and, and that's where they're going. Uh, and of course, they, um, and sport can, can be great, uh, but there's something even greater for building relationships and that's the call of God. That's when we give our lives to Christ and say, I realise my life's not just mine to have a bit of fun with, I can enjoy life along the way, but I'm going to enjoy it a lot more if I go deeper into the call of God and lay it down and say, Lord, use me. Let me be a building block, a living stone. Let me be part of the family. Let me use my skills. Let me find my skills for your glory. Let me work alongside others. Let the friction come. I'll cope. And you know what? Let me say this finally. The thing that will help you cope with all the friction and the working with other people is oil that comes from the Holy Spirit. And he would have made a huge difference. He definitely made a huge difference when you look at the life of Peter because you imagine, boy, uh, you know, iron sharpening iron, it, it doesn't have to be just sparks and friction. That's, it can be bearable with oil, you know, like an engine and, uh, and metal not grating all the time but, but working smoothly together, rough, you know, smoothing out the rough edges. Uh, I mean, you imagine Peter with his personality not baptised in the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine Jesus saying, all right, I've got to go, I've done my time, I'm going to heaven and on this date, I want you guys to start the church, go for your life. Peter, you're a pretty good preacher, I know you're a strong personality, take it away. Ah, oh, the train wreck of relationships that Peter would have caused. But he was baptised in the Holy Spirit. And as we'll discover when we share and look more at the letters that he wrote later in the Bible, we see that character tempered, that personality softened and, and not, not weakened, but fine-tuned and strengthened and sharpened for God's purposes. Not just a big blustery bloke, but a, a guy serving God sweetly and strongly with his gifts and the oil of the Holy Spirit that comes from being in his presence, being baptised, saying, Lord, oh, flow over me, flow through me, grow in me, produce your fruit, let the anointing that comes from the Holy Spirit touch every part of my life so that I'm not fighting my own fight and I'm flowing with your will and working with other people. And I would encourage us all, may we all you know, learn to work with each other. Let the, let the iron sharpen the iron and let the Holy Spirit come on our relationships so that like Peter, we can be part of the dream team that Jesus has building his church. Amen. Come on, let me pray. And then we have one more song. Uh, God bless you. Encourage people to keep tuning in or you can send this link on Facebook or YouTube and, and send it to people so they can be encouraged and pray with us. We do look forward to trying to meet together as soon as possible. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the call of God on everyone listening today. We thank you that just like Peter, we have a part to play in your church. We may not be as famous as Peter the Apostle, but we all have an integral role to play and we want to get our gifts 
harnessed by you, working alongside others and to be able to get along with others in our team, in our family, our workplace, in our church. We want to serve you, Lord God. And I pray for everyone that we would take a hold of the truth that you have in your word, the lessons we can learn uh, and the grace that comes from walking with you and being filled by the Spirit of God to be able to get along with other people for your glory. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Power in the name Jesus.